Welcome to episode two of 10 Questions. I'm Thinker, and my guest on this episode is Wirefall, founded founder of Dallas Hackers, and all-around good guy. I always enjoy having a good conversation with him. He's quickly become a good friend. Um, sit back and take a listen. I will tell you that I went into this one slightly unprepared, so I'm a little off, but it was still a good conversation nonetheless. All right, this is 10 Questions, and episode two, this is Wirefall that I've got on the other end of the line. How are you doing? Morning, afternoon, evening. Doing great, thanks. Yeah, actually, uh, just before this call, put uh, my out-of-office reminder on for uh, a returning January 2nd. So I'm very happy right now. There you go. There you go. Uh, and uh, as we speak, it's Thanksgiving Eve. How go the preparations for tomorrow? Actually, great. We uh, we started early because we're going to a show tonight. So, uh, uh yeah, I had to get that done. I think all I have left is to get up in the morning and, and do some corned beef. Corned beef. Man, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have the traditional uh, turkey. Uh, my wife makes a traditional Puerto Rican roast, and I always do corned beef because one should always do corned beef. Wow. Yeah, my, my mouth is watering just thinking about that. All right. Well, skipping the food for now, let's uh, jump in to the official questions. Um, so, so some of these questions go just off of things I've heard you tell everybody else that whenever I've been around or things, um, conversations that you and I have had so far. Um, first thing that uh, caught my attention is you were in the military. So what branch was it and what, what made you choose that branch? <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, it was the Air Force, so uh, uh, sorry for some some of the other branches that don't consider that I was in the military. Um, no, the, uh, the the story around choosing the Air Force because I did talk to other recruiters. I did talk to um, I think most of the branches, uh, maybe not Coast Guard, but uh, you know all of them, of course, are are just trying to fill seats, get bodies. But uh, the Air Force guy uh, recruiter, he he actually. Um, said, you know, every, all of them are going to promise, uh, well, all of them are going to tell you what to do. But in the Air Force, we also tell you why. Because if we believe if you understand why, you'll do a better job. And uh, that made a lot of sense to me. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense to anybody who, uh, uh, who thinks. Um, and so I, it was really the selling point to the Air Force. Um, and then I get to basic training, and I, I found out they didn't lie. You know, it was because I said so. Damn it! And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I recall talking to recruiters whenever I was in high school, and I talked to all of them myself. Um, the uh, the Navy was trying to sell me on uh, on a nuclear sub school because apparently my scores were high enough. Um, but had I gone in, I was actually leaning Air Force because at, at that point in time, it was only six, six weeks of basic. 
And you could do full retirement after 20 years. And I'm like, 20 years? And I still, I, I still be worth something on the market. So, Absolutely. you know, that, that, that made sense to me. Um, and, and that was honestly why uh, one of the uh, difficult choices when it came to re-enlist. Uh, I did extend uh, from my four years for six months. Um, but at the end of that extension, I, it was if I, if I do re-up, for another four years. That's eight and a half years. And definitely at that point in time, it wouldn't make sense not to do 20. And I, so it was either get out at that point or, or stay forever. And I don't, you know, I don't, I, I loved it. I, I had a, a great experience. It definitely changed me and love. I've never experienced the camaraderie quite like that on the outside. Yeah. It is, and of course, I don't think, uh, anybody that knows you currently outside of your immediate family has probably ever seen you with that haircut since, right? Actually, uh, not, not, I, I've, I've had facial hair that wouldn't be regulation standard uh, most of the time since the military. Uh, but for quite often, I just kept, if I don't let it grow long, uh, which uh, I did a lot of consulting on-site and clients and preferred to look as business-like as possible, uh, I would have the goat, but uh, uh, I would just do high and tight because it's, it's not long. It's just going to be shave it off. <laughs> I don't style my go. hair. It's either just it's either just growing long or or it's shaved. Yeah. Uh, I'm right with you on that. Okay, so question number two then. Uh, while you were in, what was your uh, favorite uh, post? Uh but it definitely wasn't basic, <laughs> um, and nor was it, nor was it my uh, my technical training, which was uh, at Keesler in Biloxi, Mississippi. Um, that that definitely wasn't. I, I loved both. Uh, I was stationed at Hahn Air Force Base in Germany, uh, oh. in the Hunsrück Mountains, um, beautiful area. Unfortunately, that was during the time of Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and uh, we were a primary shipping. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of the a lot of the weapons that were used in the Gulf came through our base from an army uh, munition dump. So we were 24/7 for most of the war. I I worked like I think it was the 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. Yes, 2 a.m. to 2 p.m. shift. So basically seven days a week, we'd get a couple of days off. But, wow. Uh, so that 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 wasn't fun. Uh, we did uh, though. You know, afterwards they they. Uh, sent us as a thank you. Uh, you know, the Air Force thanks their people. Um, two weeks of uh, additional vacation uh, in, you got to choose one of several spots, and I, I picked Garmisch, which is up in the mountains in Bavaria, um, and got to ski the Zugspitz. It was a lot of fun. But my, but I really loved Chev's, which is, it was an army post in Belgium. Um, because it was an army post, uh, their barracks didn't meet Air Force minimum requirements for space per individual. Uh, <laughs> so we all got so we all got to live off base uh, and collect separate rations. And so I lived on the economy, uh, immersed myself in the, the local community, and uh, that was a great time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so probably the one thing I have been like what the most so far is 
Jason made a comment one day about you know a lot of fans in Montreal. <laughs> There's got to be a story behind that. Sure. Yeah. Well, we actually we know my wife and I know a lot of bands. Period. Um, in that, I think it was in 2006 we started. Uh, I won't give you the whole long story. That would take an hour, but. Uh, um, we ended up providing, uh, going out and, and uh, providing food. And if uh, bands didn't have a place to stay and they were traveling, uh, a place to stay, do their laundry, you know, sleep horizontally instead of in their vans. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but if if they're if you're a van band and you're touring around the country, you're not living the rock star life. You're sleeping in vans in Walmart parking lots most nights. Um, it really is a hard life. So. Uh, We've been doing that for, as I said, since about 2006, and there have been hundreds. We've, we've cooked for thousands of bands. We've had hundreds of bands stay at the house. Um, and the, 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 where Montreal comes into play is really, it's more the, the government itself. Uh, if you sing in French, uh, they pay you as an artist uh, to produce art. So, uh, you know, a lot of them will, will do regular work and then do some songs in French, I guess, to qualify for getting paid to, to be an artist. Uh, but yeah, and it's a very art centric uh, and art friendly city. So uh, yeah, there's quite a few, a few of them up there. Okay, okay. Um, all right, so question number four. Um, last time I was in Dallas, you and I had a good conversation about science fiction and how it addresses uh, issues. Um, so that being said, I'm sure Star Trek, you probably have your favorite episode. I would love to know what that is. Oh, that's difficult. Uh, goodness. Um, I, I can definitely say I prefer the series that are episodic in nature rather than long arc. Uh, in that you can address a lot more issues, I believe, in episodic uh, format. Um, each show can be a different uh, investigation. Uh, um, wow, favorite. I'm not sure it's it's because of of the issues. It's probably definitely not because of the issues it addresses. There are others that that do that better. But there was an episode of next generation where they overlaid the original uh mm -hmm. series with the klingons and the romulans and they uh, interacted yeah. with the characters yeah that was an i thought that was done amazingly and and, and i absolutely loved when they asked Worf uh, what happened to the klingons because <laughs> 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 they definitely did look the same but uh yeah still I, there's so many i i, I love I, i'm definitely a star trek fanatic Okay, okay. Um, okay, jumping on to food. With a meal, what's, what's the biggest unifying thing you can have at a meal? Like, you know, there's, there's gravy, there's, uh, you know, it may be everybody's favorite side, you know, maybe always mashed potatoes or something. I don't know. But in, in your mind, what's, 
what what always ties a meal together? Bacon. Bacon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, a lot of dishes I make uh, are uh, necessarily based on bacon, but have bacon in some incorporated in some way. You know, bacon wrapped asparagus. I put bacon in. Uh, um, well, I can tell you real quick the uh, the sides and the things I've I've made so far for Thanksgiving tomorrow. Uh, made um, a uh, my wife calls it cheesy grits. Uh, it's called basically mashed call, but I make the consistency more like grits. And yes, uh-huh. it has bacon bits bacon bits in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh, it, one thing it doesn't have bacon. I made a, a, a keto stuffing, um, a cauliflower sausage based, but uh, it doesn't have bacon. Uh, but yeah, I'll have bacon wrapped asparagus. Uh, I have a spicy Brussels slaw I made up. Um, that's Brussels sprouts shredded with pureed radishes, Thai peppers, and bacon bits. So <laughs> I guess yeah, there is a unifying. I think uh, bacon is most likely on my table at a meal. Uh, all right, all right. Yeah, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, and I'm, and my, my take on that was uh, was a good gravy. You know, there, there's an art to a good gravy, but a good gravy can always make a good meal better. I see that. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of speaking of gravy. The big question that I always come on come out uh, on the uh, opposite side of with living in the South. Are you a cream gravy or a dark gravy person? Yeah, I, I, I heard your conversation with Juno on the the first podcast there. Uh, um, probably, uh, I, I I I don't use a lot of gravy, honestly, but I. I uh, usually just use meat drippings and maybe add a little bit of cream to that. So it's still somewhat dark, uh, but I do enjoy um, not quite the biscuits and gravy that you were, you were confused about, but shit on a shingle, which is a, a uh, yeah. military food that everybody gets. That's toast with a, a gravy based, a sausage gravy on it. Uh, it was kind of gray, <laughs> not really white yeah. or brown. But uh, I think it probably was horrible, but the nostalgia, uh, I, 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 I do wish I could uh, have, make that again. I've tried, and it just never got it right. Uh, so, so some of the best uh, sausage gravy on biscuits that I've had has been in small towns. Um, last time I had it, I was, uh, I, I was in uh, western Kansas, just a, a diner that was in the town I was living in. And it was it was pretty good. Can't go wrong with sausage gravy in my mind. Or or greasy spoons. Yeah, the the, the best yeah. biscuits and gravy I've ever had in my life was uh at a little greasy spoon right across the uh, uh street from the monument for uh Winslow, Arizona, the Eagle song. There's actually mm-hmm. a uh a monument there with a uh you know kind of replays the song, has think items from the song there. But yep. uh, yeah, it was just a little greasy spoon and fantastic. 
Now, speaking of greasy spoons, another small town that I lived in, um, they had a pecan pie cobbler. Can you imagine what that would be like? Uh, I think it would be delicious. That's what I would think. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's, it's diabetic coma in, in a bowl. It was <laughs> wonderful. Especially considering that, that you know, sometimes pecan pies end up becoming a little bit more dry than not if they just get too overdone on the top. But this, I mean, it's yeah. just like the, cho- the, the, the chopped up pecans and everything it mixed in with the good stuff. Um, yeah, that was, that, that, that was, man, I, I could go back and have a bowl of that every day. But uh, then again, if I did that, I'd probably start to have a bunch of the problems. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was a good yeah. burger at that place. So, I do like okay. Burger. I do like so, number seven, the phobia question. I'm going to give you three phobias, and without looking it up, tell me which one that you think would be preferable to have. So, the first one for you is the maxophobia. Okay. Um, The second one for you is dendrophobia. And then the third one for you is gamophobia. So which one of those three would you think would be preferable to have? I'm going to just choose door number three. Gamophobia? Then I, I, I hope sure. your wife is out of earshot because that's fear of marriage. <laughs> that's too funny. And the other one? Uh, the, the other two, dendrophobia is fear of trees. And amaxophobia is fear of riding in a car. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I find the uh, fear of marriage amusing in that uh, yeah, I asked my wife to marry her, to, to marry me many, 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 many times uh, before she finally consented. Uh, and the reason, uh, it's really, really romantic that she, she finally said yes, was uh, uh, we work, I worked for a company that was based out of California startup and they provided uh, partner medical benefits. Um, we were bought up by a very large Texas-based company that went, yeah, no, uh, you have to be married to get benefits. So I once again approached her and I said, would you like medical benefits? <laughs> <laughs> Please marry me. <laughs> and she did. Um, okay. So Next question, question number eight, was how did Dallas Hackers come to be? Uh, the uh, re- really, the, it's it's a spinoff of uh, it's one of the, the the children of Aha, Austin Hackers Anonymous. Um, there'll be different stories you'll hear, whether it's anonymous or 
association. I think the consensus is anonymous. Um, I did a lot of work for the state, so I was down in Austin quite a bit uh, for many years, and uh, attended a few ahas when I when I could. And I, although they're very, uh, they focus more on a technical. You know, they want very elite people speaking about very elite things. Um, I really liked the concept of participate or don't come. So you're you're you know you you can't just be uh, taking knowledge. You're giving as well because in my view everybody has something they know that we don't. Um, the uh, I also really enjoyed that it was they were adamant. It was ten minutes where they started throwing things at you, but the very short uh, fire. Yeah, um, because then you know it, like. Uh, Anyway, I found it really engaging. It was coming from the community, and they were quick talks, packing a lot of information in a small amount of time. You're not going to be an expert at it by the, after that, but if it's interesting, you're going to go start researching it. Um, back up here in Dallas, stop traveling, um, and really, we didn't have that. We had a fantastic security groups here. Uh, we have, uh, you know, a bounty of riches up here in, in in Dallas, Fort Worth area of things to go to that are security, privacy, hacker related. And uh, but we had at the time NAZIG, it's that's now become uh, um, North Texas Cybersecurity Group, DC 214. Uh, it's been listed as one of the top five DEF CON groups in the world. Um, huh. We have, uh, uh, you know, um, now Pwn School, but that, that came out of uh, Dallas Hackers. Uh, uh -huh. Phil Wiley is Pwn. Um, myriad of different security groups, but they were all the one hour, one and a half hour uh, demo talking head or, or whatever. Uh, you know, some of them were more commercial uh, corporate vendors. Some of them were, you know, very technical, interesting talks, but and if you have, and it really wasn't your cuppa, um, you're going to have a bad night, you know, uh, if you show up and it's all about GDPR, I really don't care about GDPR. Um, where the lightning talks, uh, really are, you know, um, if it's not something you're interested in, uh, it's 10 minutes, you know, and there'll be something else. So that was the impetus on really, I honestly, I thought it would start, it would just be maybe like aha at the time they've grown as well. But, uh, you know, maybe 15, 20 people, uh, interesting people talking about interesting things. And uh, that would have made me happy and did make me happy. I, I never foresaw what what has become of it. You know, uh, we regularly have 100 to 150 people out every month. It's like a mini con for those who haven't been. We have lock picking. Uh, we have uh, captured the flag. Um, we we even have our own merch room now. Um, it's really crazy. Uh, so uh, uh, I think it's fantastic. It's what the community uh, they definitely embraced it, and I I can't say enough for the uh, uh, the leadership team that really made that. You know, it's not me. It was uh, without the 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 face and voice of Tinker, uh, without the AV and hacker vibe that uh, Whiskey Neon brings. Uh, without the passion that Mobius has with lockpicking and, and all things non-technical side of security. And then Commander, uh, 
he's run our our CTF forever. He's taking a little break right now, and we're having Jedi Mammoth come in. But uh, I mean, there's he scares me. He's so technical, so uh, <laughs> it's been fantastic. Yeah, he's he's dropped zero a couple of zero days live on stage, and uh, 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 you know, shown him in his in his CTF. So really cool stuff. Oh, I, hey, I, I look forward to whenever I would actually have a chance to make it myself. Uh, always sounds like fun. Look forward, um, look forward to your uh, look forward to your talk, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, I'll figure that one out. <laughs> um, uh, question number nine. Speaking of tinker, everybody has their favorite tinker stories. And do you have one that uh, is okay for you to share? Yeah, yeah. Most of them are not. Um, but, but honestly, this, you know, uh, this is really difficult because I, I, I think a lot of the Tinker stories are the stories that Tinker tells. Uh, that people, you know, uh, no, 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 the people. That, I'm not saying they're made up, but that, that people identify oh, okay. with. Um, they, you know, it, it it reaches them. I think he's very visceral. Very, uh, you know, he he wears everything on his sleeve. Uh, that's fantastic about him. Um, I think the difference, though, is I I know Tinker the person, and I've known Tinker the person before Tinker the Twitter phenomena. And so we have a relationship. I feel it's just very, you know, we are good friends. Um, and like, like uh, I think you tie it back to the rock star thing. A lot of people think they're they are what they are on stage. And most of the time they're just normal folks like you and me, you know, um, yeah. it's one of the things I, I'd brought up on, on, on Twitter after listening to Juno uh, on your first episode. And I, I really like the format of, of this podcast. And, and I think it has the potential to really break down some of that rock star mentality that's pervasive in our industry. When everybody finds out that, you know, all those people on Twitter that they follow and see the show are actually just normal people and have normal foibles and, uh, and don't know what phobias mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, I will tell you that, uh, that, uh, stories aside, um, probably one of the bigger things that, uh, caught my attention from Tinkers whenever he was doing work on cracking eight character passwords. Um, I, I uh, work in a uh, compliance environment and the compliance regs say at least eight character passwords. And no well, users are like, okay, I'll do eight characters. And, uh, but, but after, after uh, Tinkers work and him sharing that, um, I uh, I uh, ran those details at the flagpole uh, on my end. I said, hey, you know, I've, I've got to rewrite a few of these policies anyway. Um, is this okay to uh, uh, to uh, up the password requirements? And I got told, yeah, go ahead, no problem. So, and uh, you know, every time I quote the the work that he did on that to anybody, they are shocked at uh how quickly eight character passwords can be cracked 
So. That's fantastic. If you haven't shared that story with them, I definitely recommend uh, that you do. There, there are some people in the industry who are just media hogs, uh, but most of us really want to make a difference. And it sounds like that made a difference. Uh, I'm sure you'd definitely like to hear that. Yeah, it absolutely did. Well, I, as, as I told you, you know, I'm going to try to uh, I'm going to try to get him on here and uh, subject him to the ten questions as well. <laughs> so, uh, so maybe I'll get a chance to tell him sooner rather than later. Tainter, if you're listening, dang it, get a hold of me. Um, okay, so question number ten. Are you a cold weather or warm weather person? I am a beach weather person. Uh, so uh, probably Goldilocks, not too hot, not too cold, just right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, given the two, I will take uh, slightly warmer over slightly colder until it jumps back and forth. There's ranges where, you know, I don't mind it a little warm when it gets hot. I really can't stand it. I, you know, when it's cold, you can put on another jacket until it gets too cold and then you're like hypothermia. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I would just love it if it was uh, mid-70s and sunny. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I know Dallas in the middle of the summer can get a little overbearing at times. Um, and winter I, I, can get pretty dark. Yeah. 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 True. Um, yeah. I uh, at one point I used to uh, live in um, Savannah, and I remember exploring up and down the interstate you know, while I was there. And the moment you leave Savannah and keep going inland, it's just stifling. Savannah's right at that spot where it's still getting the ocean breeze and still mm-hmm. decent, decent to deal with. So, you know, I, I, I can handle hot if it's not too hot. Um, ironically enough. I'm definitely anti-humidity. I'm definitely anti-humidity yeah. as well. That sucks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, as I was about to say, ironically enough, people that, people that know me is like, Okay, so you don't like hot. Why would you go back to Arizona? <laughs> it's like I, I, I like Arizona. I, so, so somehow uh, I, I got around the heat. I got, I got around it being 103 degrees at 9 p.m. So. Yeah, yeah. When it cools off, right? In the desert, uh, it'll cool off at night. The uh, um, I lived in New York City for a while, and. Uh, that was just it was it was uh, back in the 80s row houses uh no air conditioning and uh, you know it'd be 98 degrees during the day with outrageous humidity and then it would drop 1 degree at night and be the same humidity it was just miserable yeah yeah uh it, it's it, it as long as you have a good air conditioner in the desert you're in good shape um you know i i i can i know me i can take the heat long enough to walk from my car into a building, especially yeah. with it being a dry heat. So, all right. Well, that's 10 questions right there. Um, so I'll go ahead and say 
thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I look forward to further conversations. Uh, Absolutely. Just, thank you for having me on. Just, just and, to have uh, conversations. What's that? I say I look forward to further conversations just to have conversations. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope uh, those plan. I hope uh, uh, we're able to steal you away from uh, all the other opportunities. Uh, I'm sure they will be thrown at you. Uh, get you down here to DFW. Um, I would like to say to uh, anyone out there, if you would like to publicly or privately tell me how wrong I was on any of my answers, uh, my Twitter is at dhahole. Uh, wonderful. Uh, feel free to berate me, um, or uh, you know, compliments accepted as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, and uh, I'll let you get off your evening plans and uh, have a good Thanksgiving. Do the same thing. Thank you. I'd like to thank Wirefall once again for participating. Always enjoy conversations with him. Um, and obviously, we need to get uh, Tinker on here to share some stories. That's two people in a row. But the good news is, is I may actually have Tinker on the hook. He said it sounded like it'd be a little fun to do this. Um, in the meantime, uh, next episode that you'll end up hearing is with uh, Caitlin Bowden. So stay tuned for that. This has been 10 Questions. Yay!